Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name is Graham Wilcott, I'm your host for the show and on this episode it's another COVID special and we are talking working from home. This is actually the audio from the first of Think Productive's webinars, which was myself and Grace Marshall on the Productivity Ninja's Guide to Working from Home. So we recorded this about a month ago. We've been running these as live webinars uh, most days. And at the moment, it's kind of once or twice a week. And you can find out the dates at thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. Um, Also on there, there's a load of info about how we can help your team, your organization, your company uh, with a whole variety of stuff that's either specific to what's going on with COVID. So working from home, leading remote teams, um, how to supercharge your virtual meetings, but also all of our regular stuff as well. So how to be a productivity ninja, how to get your inbox to zero, all that sort of normal productivity stuff that we do. Um, So we're going to talk in this a special webinar for an hour. It's myself and Grace Marshall. We'll talk about a few of the key challenges of working from home. We'll talk about how to solve them. And we just thought, let's use the audio and get this out there and um, you know, make this a podcast episode as well. So let's get straight into it. Here is our live webinar in audio form with myself and Grace Marshall. Let's do it. So welcome, everybody. Um, we'll just leave our contact details here right at the beginning. So my name is Graham Olcott. I'm here with Grace Marshall. Hello. Uh, and um, we have basically written this as a response to obviously what's happening uh, out there in the world. So this didn't exist a week ago. <laughs> uh, and we've since had uh, the first broadcast of this was actually in Australia uh, about 12 hours ago or so. Um, and just for context, we have dates pretty much for every day over the next couple of weeks. And it's all live at thinkproductive.com, uh, WFH, working from home. So um, if you know people who didn't manage to get onto this first one, uh, know that there'll be more of these coming. Um, so you're all on mute automatically. The chat is open, as Grace was saying, and we're here for an hour. So um, let's uh, get cracking through some stuff. Um, if you don't know who we are, by the way, so we think productive for the last decade or so, we've been on a, a mission to help people with everything uh, to do with productivity. So we run sessions called things like getting your inbox to zero, uh, fixing meetings, and of course, stuff related to my book, How to Be a Productivity Ninja. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that we do uh, predominantly in-house with clients. So we work you know, in your offices and obviously... Uh, shifting a lot of that to live virtual in the current environment as well. Uh, What we're going to talk about on this hour is some of the common pitfalls of working from home, how to get started, how to get good work done. Um, We're going to talk about dealing with uncertainty, um, both in your own work and just philosophically with what's going on in the world right now. And then we'll talk about um, work-life balance and what to do at the end of a working day uh, to just kind of help uh, with that as well. So um, let's get started. Over to Grace. Yeah. So Graham, do you want to launch a poll first to just see what kind of the people we have and where your starting point is at the yes. moment? Yes. So let's uh, check that on there. So this is a poll asking you, what's your work from home starting point? Are you completely new to this? Um, have you dabbled with it, but you're not feeling confident? 
or are you fairly confident and could you're here mainly to pick up some tips or are you a black belt master so you should be running the session rather than us <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're just here to pick up some stuff that you can share with your colleagues so just to give us an idea of sort of you know, where you're coming from what, what your starting point is at the moment so we can see who we've got on the call so 63% of people saying fairly confident uh, <laughs> 3% of you are the black belt masters so uh, good to have you guys here as well um, <laughs> and a lot of people dabbling and completely new so that's a, that's useful context for us great brilliant okay so let's get started with some of the common pitfalls then so i guess yeah we've worked with people across the whole spectrum uh, we work with people who um, who work from home predominantly. We've worked with people who sometimes work from home. And here are the things that we commonly see. Don't worry about if you can't see the poll. We've only got one poll. So if the technology is not allowing you to see it, don't worry about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, common pitfalls. First of all, it's work-life blur. So you've got the issue of sometimes when you're working from home and you're living at home, it's the same space. Life can bleed into work, but also work can bleed into life. Then there's also the issue of connection. So um, I'm already seeing a lot of people are feeling like, okay, feeling isolated, feeling disconnected. I'm used to being around people, used to being in the office, and now I'm stuck at home by myself. Um, now, depending on your personality, some people might actually feel quite comfortable with that. Like, Graham, this is not any different from how you normally work, right? So actually, a lot of my work is from home. Uh, think productive, actually, a, a fairly remote team. So most of our productivity ninjas are based around the UK they'll maybe come to the office once a year, something like that. And uh, me personally, even though I'm based in Brighton and our office is five minutes down the road in Hove, I'm probably there myself physically once a month, if that. So this is very uh, familiar terrain for me. And also I think um, that gives us a good perspective of the last uh, 10 years or so working like this. We've mm. got plenty to share. So yeah. Whereas for me, I mean, this is familiar terrain, but as an extrovert, I miss people. <laughs> so, you know, those extroverts among you, uh, you might be feeling the same as well. So there might be a feeling of disconnection. But at the same time, there could also be a feeling of overconnection. You know, the fact that there are so many different ways to get in touch with each other. You might have your instant messenger and your text and your WhatsApp and your emails all pinging at the same time. It can feel like everyone wants a piece of me more so now that you're working from home compared to when you're in the office. And then the third thing is this issue of defining success. So like it or not, when we're working in the office, there are some go-to physical clues that we can see when it looks like we're working hard and we're busy. So whether that's a queue of people coming up to your desk or you're like furiously typing away, there's something visible about the work. Whereas when we start working from home, it becomes more invisible. And then we start to grapple, how does it, how do we grapple with looking like we're doing good work? How do I prove to my boss that I am working hard? And what happens sometimes for some people we find is that they end up working even longer hours and they don't take breaks. They don't even get up to go to the loo until you're absolutely desperate because it's like, oh, if I don't reply to things really quickly, if I don't look like I'm working, then what if somebody thinks that I'm just watching daytime TV? So there's this whole thing of defining success. And I think there's an opportunity here as well in terms of how we define success, how we define what good productivity looks like rather than just what looks busy. And I think in general, there's, you know, for me, something really important about the fact that generally working from home is a much maligned thing. And uh, his little quote from Einstein, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. I think whilst there's lots of bleak stuff happening in the world right now, uh, what we are seeing is 
certainly a reframing of things. So reframing of things like community, for example, seems to be something that's happening in lots of places, neighbors setting up WhatsApp groups and the like. And I think this has some implications for how we view uh, productivity and managing our attention and various other things, rather than looking at working from home as this slightly, um, you know, guilty feeling of oh, working from home. Are you? Are you really? And all that sort of thing. Actually, we might start to to reframe working from home as uh, something much more positive as a result of all of this as well. So let's get started. How do we get started? Um, what does it mean to actually get to work, Grace? Yeah, absolutely. So getting to work, hopefully, is a really easy question to answer now in terms of actually physically getting to work because you don't have to do the commute anymore. But actually, how do we get into work mode? So the interesting thing is that our brains are designed to respond to signals. And even if um, we don't notice it, our normal everyday routine has a way of telling us, okay, you're getting into work mode now. So you might be thinking, this is great. I don't have to commute. I don't have to deal with um, traffic or the tube or the rush hour. But actually, your brain might still need a few signals putting in, programming in um, to help you think, okay, now I'm in work mode compared to being in home mode. So you might find it helpful to maybe even give yourself a fake commute. So it might be like a walk around the block if you're allowed to, depending on where in the, in the world you are. Um, or you know, even just having a bit of a familiar routine that you do as a way of going, okay, now I'm transitioning from home mode to being in work mode. Um, so yeah, have a play with those fake routines, uh, fake commutes. But also, you know, it can be little things like... Um, you know, what am I, what am I wearing, for example? So you might think, okay, now that I'm working from home, one of the um, beautiful things I can do is stay in bed. Graham, have we got the next slide? Yeah, brilliant. So, you know, I could just work from home. I could work in my pajamas. I could be really comfy. Now, if that works for you, fine. But the caveat here is sometimes you might find you have to get into work mode by putting on some work clothes. So for example, um, I remember working with a financial advisor once who um, transitioned to working for himself. And um, you know, he said, actually, the thing he was most looking forward to was not having to put a suit and tie on. But he found that until he put a suit and tie on, he didn't feel like he was in work mode. So even though he didn't have to for other people, he had to for himself. Similarly, I was um, doing some housework the other day and I had my shoes on because I was going out to the bins. Um, and I found that the minute I took my shoes off, and put my slippers on, I just wanted to sit down. I just wanted to get comfy. So you might find that actually, you know, putting on certain clothes, um, you might be putting your makeup on, putting shoes on, those kind of things, or even your cup. So my husband has a work cup that he, you know, he has, and that helps him to get into work mode. And psychologists actually have a word for this. They call this enclosed cognition. And so it comes from um, a little study they did where they were measuring people's concentration. And with half the group, they gave them lab coats, like scientist lab coats to wear. And when they wore the lab coat, they actually made fewer errors. Um, and um, you know, when they told them that the lab coat actually belonged to a painter, the errors went up again. So there's something really bizarre about the way our brain associates different moods, different attention levels with what we wear. And a little tip um if you want a brain signifier and you're not able to leave the house, aside from clothes, one of the things I've use quite a lot before is the joe wicks hit training type of stuff so it's like 10 15 minutes of exercise but do that then have a shower and then it's like now i'm getting into my work clothes so just to create some kind of you know 
like mental transition basically between I'm lounging around at home, having my breakfast, that kind of thing. And suddenly now I'm in that kind of more work-based mode. Um, so let's talk about physical space. And um, <clears throat> this is one of those things where, you know, people will be in very different situations. If you have the ability to put your working space in a, a dedicated room or a specific part of the house, uh, then that's great. If you are working from the kitchen table, you might not feel so lucky. So what are some of the things that we can think about in terms of managing physical space? So one thing to say is try to avoid distractions and multitasking as much as possible. So, for example, you don't, even if you're working with the kitchen table, try not to be starting to boil the pasta while you're still on a conference call and that kind of stuff. Um, try and keep a, a, a good delineation between those two things. Um, rather than multitasking, which was always seen as like the holy grail in old time management type books, um, think about monotasking. So working on one thing up to its completion point and then the next thing and then the next thing. And also enacting that physically. So only having open on the screen in front of you um, windows that relate to the thing that you're actually working on. Don't have all these different windows open and lots of stuff going on. Likewise, don't have paperwork on the desk in front of you that relates to some other part of work or some other part of life. And you'd be amazed at the focus that you gain just by doing that. One of the workshops we do called Getting Your Inbox to Zero, there's this tiny little tip in there, which is turn off your email notifications. And it's probably the thing that I get the most emails back about saying that feedback changed my life, that little thing changed my life, is just turning off those notifications so you don't have that thing in the corner of the screen popping up all the time, trying to get your attention about something else. So keeping focus is as much about what you do physically and in the environment in front of you as it is about you know mentally um, how you think as well. So let's talk about getting good work done. Um, so good work for me looks like having a really good intention, being focused, being purposeful. And as I said before, monotasking, focusing really on one thing at a time to do really quality thinking. And sadly, that's not how we always spend our time. Um, one thing to say is that if you generally find that there are days in your working week where you feel a little bit overwhelmed, um, the chances are you're feeling that tenfold with what's happening in the world right now. So there's a lovely Buddhist saying, uh, which I think is really appropriate when we think about productivity in order to really just make the point that what's good productivity advice normally is even better productivity advice now. So this Buddhist saying is um, you should meditate for half an, hour a day, half an hour a day, except when you're busy, then you should meditate for an hour a day. So all those good practice productivity things are uh, things that we need to take more seriously now, not less. Um, so a little reminder uh, from the original Productivity Ninja, you know, it's really important to just, you know, have pay some attention to the kind of base level, simple uh, productivity tips. Um, one of the things around this, which I hope a good few of you are doing already, is the idea of having a second brain, having a place where you download um, all of those uh, bits of information, ideas, decisions, nags, all that stuff that's going on in your head. Um, particularly at a time like this. So think about uh, times where you've been one day away from a holiday period and then you write a big list of stuff and you just feel more in control and you just feel better as a result of doing that. Um, so this is a really good tip for right now. Just get it all out of your head. Scientists call this distributed cognition, which basically means once you write it down, you have a better ability to, to prioritize stuff, to you know, really add value to your own thinking and priorities and, and really get the best out of your thinking. So getting it all out of your head into what we call a second brain. So I use an app. Uh, the one I use is called Nosby. There's uh, an app called Todoist, which is really 
really good and popular too. Remember the milk. Uh, Grace is a Todoist fan. And, you know, so there, there's, there's a whole number of apps. If you're not a big fan of apps, you can do this on pen and paper as well. But getting stuff down so that you basically have two main lists. You have a projects list. So that's the list of all the stuff that you're working on and what those conclusions look like. How, how do you define success in, in different areas? And then the next physical action that you need to take around each of those things. So being really well-defined around that so that you can physically see yourself doing that next thing. So for example, chase is not a next physical action. You know, calling someone or emailing someone or mind mapping, those are next physical actions that you can do. Um, so really being specific with language will help you when you come to look at your to-do list to have much more momentum around the things, things that you're doing. And it's really important to be thinking about you know, how we think and our own, you know, base level of productivity habits, in, particularly in times like this. Um, we need to think about it, you know, really as if we're simultaneously trying to do two things at the same time. So all of us who work in knowledge work, where essentially it's about adding value and creating value out of information in some way or another, we're all simultaneously the boss and the worker all at the same time. So as well as having to actually deliver on work, we also have to do the thinking and the definition and defining what work actually means for us and what the end point looks like. So, you know, being really conscious that we need to separate these two things, working out when we're in thinking mode versus when we're in doing modes. And, you know, particularly, you know, what I'm always passionate about is helping people to make space for quality thinking. Uh, this feels like a particular time where everyone is, you know, spending a lot of time being very reactive. And it's really hard to make that space for quality thinking. But, um, you know, without beating ourselves up about it, the more we can try and make that space, the better we'll, we'll feel in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the boss mode thinking things you can do, or one of the routines you can get into is start your day with boss mode thinking. Um, so rather than starting your day with maybe checking your emails and checking Facebook and checking everything else, rather than checking in with everybody else's agenda, maybe start your day by checking in with your agenda first. So go into boss mode, do some thinking, and maybe plan your top five priorities for today. So if you have a good second brain set up, don't treat that second brain like a to-do list that you've just got to keep plowing on through. Um, you know, maybe start to go, start to look at constraining and saying, well, if I could only do five things today, what five things would they be? So a good practice is to maybe use a post-it note, because that's a good way of constraining and saying like it has to fit onto a post-it note. Otherwise, if you've got too much on there, you've got too much going on. And it has a really good way of helping you to be ruthless, to start thinking what really matters here. So rather than doing 50 things badly, what five things can I do well today and feel really good about getting those things done? And I think starting the day by being mindful. So starting the day by really thinking about what what do I need for me? What's my intention? What's my energy? Uh, rather than starting the day with the news or email or stuff that you're going to react to, uh, I think can be a really good uh, place to start as well. Let's have a think about attention levels. So this is something that I talk about in my book, How to Be a Productivity Ninja. But we basically have three types of attention. And this is really important, um, particularly right now. So we have the two to three hours a day where we are most switched on, we have the best energy and we're able to do our best work. And I call that proactive attention. And at the other end of the scale, which is kind of like, kind of like the red light on our uh, traffic light here, we have inactive attention. So otherwise known as the kind of mindless zombie attention. Zombie mode. Yeah, zombie mode. So this is where it's like, you know, we've all been there. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. You're looking through your email inbox. You're scrolling up and scrolling down. 
and you know there's stuff you should be doing, but the lights are on and no one's home. So that's inactive attention. And then somewhere in the middle, we have this active attention where, yeah, we can do most of the stuff on our list. Maybe not the most difficult stuff, but certainly better than uh, when we're in that zombie mode. So dividing your your tasks up into these three different types of attention um, is a really helpful tip. And in particular, having two or three uh, you know, parts of your to-do list that really relate to these two. So I, I have a particular mode on my to-do list, which is like a proactive attention mode. So the stuff I know is going to be really difficult, really tricky. I separate that out on the to-do list. So it actually, you know, I, visually I can see that and make sure when I know my energy is really good, which for me tends to be in the morning. It's not for everybody, but that is for me. Uh, it wasn't when I was younger, by the way. It's uh, just something that kind of changed through life, I think. But I know that in, during those times, I need to make sure I'm being disciplined enough to do the most difficult stuff on my list during that time. So I, I'm going straight for those kind of things in the morning. And then likewise, I also, the flip side of that is not beating myself up, trying to do difficult stuff or even half difficult stuff when I'm in that zombie mode at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I've also got another list, which mine is just called mindless on my to-do list. And it's like, it's all the stuff like ordering stuff off Amazon and doing a little bit of research on this thing, whatever, things that I can kind of do with my eyes half shut and, you know, not beating myself up about those times and trying to be more productive than that, but just having some useful things to do uh, when you don't necessarily have the best attention. And then it's about how we protect that proactive attention. So that two to three hours that we have of our proactive attention, where really we want to be heads down. Cal Newport calls this the monk mode in uh, his book, Deep Work. Uh, You know, really focused on doing quality thinking, quality prioritization, uh, creativity, problem solving, all the stuff that our brains are really, really good at. And we need to really make sure that we protect that attention as much as possible because it can get pretty scrambled. Um, this is where uh, one thing that comes in really handy here is the productivity ninja characteristic of stealth and camouflage. So what this found was uh, there was a, a study a while ago that uh, found that uh, we, if you have a one-minute email interruption, then it takes you about 15 minutes to recover from that. So getting into stealth and camouflage mode is about saying there must be times in our day where we're actually trying to be deliberately a bit less available. And, you know, in an open plan office, um, this kind of looks like tactical hiding, right? So we quite often when we're in companies talk to people about this idea of tactical hiding. Um, You know, people don't tend to feel too bad about taking two hours away from their desk uh, to go and sit in someone else's meeting, even if it doesn't necessarily help them solve their part of the world's work. But people feel very guilty about the idea of taking even half an hour away to do really useful planning or quality thinking. And we need to really end this whole sense of guilt around uh, making the space and the time uh, to focus and do quality thinking. Now, of course, where we're at right now, um, people have a lot of time at home. It's not um, really necessarily the case that people need to be hiding away from their desk uh, physically. But we do need to be thinking about digital stealth and camouflage. And so what does that look like in practice? So my favorite button on Microsoft Outlook is the one uh, in the middle there, uh, where it's just uh, circled in red or squared in red, I should say, where it says work offline. So that's a really useful button. What that will do is it will allow you to turn off all the incoming new messages, but you can still work on the emails that you've got in front of you. You can still see your calendar and anything else that's in Outlook, contacts, et cetera. Um, But it just allows you to catch up, switch off the rest of the world for a bit, and really focus. So particularly if you've got, you know, one or two emails that you really need to work on, and you just don't need to be distracted by lots of other noise in that time period, uh, that can be a really handy little button to use. 
Um, also, thinking about your phone and your relationship with your phone, I, I, I definitely think in the last few years, um, the biggest uh, sort of developing challenge around productivity generally is our relationship with our phones. Um, and let's not beat around the bush. The brightest minds in the world are sat in Silicon Valley right now, as they always are. And their entire job is trying to steal as much of your attention as possible to get you to click on and look at ads. That's the world, right? So I use a, a, a particular phone blocker app called Quality Time, which is an Android app. Um, you can also use uh, things like Freedom and Off Time uh, on the iPhone uh, and even some of the iPhone's uh, built-in capability. But the idea is it will block your access to certain apps at certain times. So if you've decided, I want to only look at news in the afternoon, or if you've decided, I don't want to see emails between 9 and 11, or I don't want to be able to have access to Instagram until lunchtime. Like making those decisions, uh, making them in a really kind of strict way once, and then setting up a blocker app will save you so many times of getting interrupted and just allow you to really focus. Um, a nice little app is called Forest as well, uh, which uh, solves this problem of, yeah, I'm typing away on my you know Word document or whatever it is, and then I get a bit bored and it's like, let me go and see what's on my phone. Ooh, what's happening? You know, it's really easy to derail ourselves um, and distract ourselves. So what Forrest does is you set the thing for, say, let's say I'm going to work for half an hour, you know, totally focused for that half an hour period. And Forrest in that time grows a tree on the screen. Uh, and then if during that time you flip off the Forrest app to go and look at Instagram or something, the tree dies. So it's a re really nice, simple little piece of positive psychology to say, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm going to get totally focused, heads down, in that mode of using uh, that quality attention as best as I possibly can. Another way of managing attention is uh, to really think about working in particular bursts. And uh, there's this guy, Francesco Cirillo, who invented the Pomodoro technique, named after the kitchen timers that look like tomatoes. And the idea is you work for 25 minutes, and then you have what he calls a five-minute procrastination break. So five minutes to do whatever you want, and then 25 minutes back on the Pomodoro. And, you know, everything that you work on, you measure in number of Pomodoros. So I'm working on this report. It's going to take me three Pomodoros or whatever it might be. And so it's a really nice way. It's not something that I use day to day, but I definitely have used it in the past when I've been in book writing mode. So I'm going to work on this chapter for two Pomodoros this morning, and then I'll do another couple of Pomodoros on it in the afternoon. And it's a really nice thing because... It's a bit like when you watch the TV show Countdown, uh, for those of you familiar with Countdown, and it's like you work really fast and your brain's working really fast because time is counting down when it usually counts up. And it's like, I've only got five more seconds to do this or five more minutes to, to finish this bit of writing, whatever. So just knowing that uh, time has some scarcity is sometimes a nice thing in terms of helping you focus as well. It's also really good for the things that you hate doing. Um, so I find if I put a timer on, it's like, oh, the end is in sight. Um, so that's really nice. And um, that's yeah, and it's like I, I only have to work on it for one Pomodoro, right? Exactly. So it's just changing yeah. that psychology from being I have to do all of it. Definitely. And that's a good example of a frog. So there's a little book by a guy called Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. And your frog is the unpleasant task that's been hanging around on your to do. It's like a bad smell. And the thing about frogs is the longer you leave it, the worse they seem to smell. And when you finally get on with it, it's often not as bad as you thought. So the idea here is if you eat a frog for breakfast, everything you have afterwards is going to taste sweet. And um, so you, start your, you might want to start your day with the hard thing first, get it out of the way. Then actually everything else is going to be easy by comparison. And you've set yourself up for, um, with momentum and motivation for the rest of the day. Now, this is also, it's also a Mark Twain quote, absolutely. Um, 
So this is also a good way of um, something you can do virtually. So you could have a frog buddy, an accountability buddy. You could set up a virtual check-in session. So I've done this before with, um, with my colleague, uh, Cara. A little while ago, we were both working on a similar project. And we just had a day, like a make-it-happen day, where we checked in at the beginning and went, right, what are you working on first? What am I working on? And then we check in again mid-morning. How did you get on? And then we have different check-ins throughout the day. And it was a great way of keeping us both motivated, keeping that momentum going. And also any places where we got stuck or we needed some input, we could we had those check-in times to do that. So um, that could be something that you maybe build into some of your work-from-home um, you know, routines and setups. So yeah, let's talk about why we need breaks. Lunchtime, right? Um, and it's not just lunchtime, actually. This is why we need breaks. So um, I don't know if you've come across the decision fatigue research, but basically this was a piece of research where they looked at a bunch of parole board judges and looked at how often would they say yes to parole and how often would they say no to parole. And they found that at the beginning of the day, your chances of getting parole were about 60%. As the day went on, your chances go down. After a break, they go back up again. Just before lunchtime, you've got no chance. And at the end of the day, you've also got no chance. So what they found was that your ability to make good judgment decisions is like a muscle. Yes, you can train it to do more, but after each decision you make, after each rep, that muscle gets tired, it gets fatigued. And when we get to decision fatigue, we basically get to the point where we just go to our defaults. So for a parole board judge, the default is no, because that's the safest answer. But then the question for us is, what's my default when I hit decision fatigue? Working with um, one of our clients a little while ago, a company that maybe has a little bit of a meetings addiction, they found that their default was, um, let's have another meeting. So they actually started creating more and um, more decisions to make rather than less. And so you know, being able to recognize that you, this is why you need a break. So that's how we recover our attention. That's how we get back to um, that place where we can do good thinking. And actually, that's the value of the work that we do is where we're making good decisions and we're doing good thinking. And so taking breaks, um, maybe you know, starting to have your breaks with other people as well. So for those of you who are thinking, I'm really missing my colleagues. I'm missing that banter around the water cooler, around having coffee. How do I recreate that? So it might be doing some virtual coffee or virtual lunch breaks. If you want to do that with, you know, socializing with people outside of work, that's fine too. You can maybe catch up with your friends that way, you know, if you don't want to do that with your colleagues. But actually, there's something about maybe using your breaks as a way to reconnect with other people or reconnect with yourself. So if you're an introvert um, and actually you want to have some time to yourself, then make sure those breaks are high value breaks, high value treats. So often our defaults are to go to, I'll just scroll on the phone and see what's new on Facebook or what's happening on the news. But if you find that actually at the end of that, you feel worse for it, it's a bit like junk food. It might feel like, oh yeah, that's my easy go-to at the, you know, in the instant. But afterwards, if I'm feeling worse, then that's not a high value break. So it might be swapping that instead for maybe some garden time, um, being outdoors, um, or listen to a piece of music or watch a TED talk and read a book, uh, play the violin. That's mine. You know, I love playing the violin to switch off. So whatever it is that helps you to actually feel good afterwards is a really good um, you know, monitor, a really good way of, of seeing ah, that's a high value break. Yeah, I think I, I work with so many people who they spend all of their day looking at messages and then they spend all their evening 
scrolling through different messages on different apps. And I think looking at how can you make your break times, evening times, look and feel different from what you're doing during the day, especially if you're going to be in the same uh, place the whole time. I think that's really important. Um, just a quick word while we're talking about lunch, about food and fuel. Um, so I wrote this book with a nutritionist called Colette Hennigan a couple of years ago uh, called Work Fuel after spending a lot of time being coached by Colette. And it really changed my life around nutrition. Um, and what you see on the screen there is the Work Fuel plate. So this is uh, based on the science of what we should eat to have the best energy for productivity. Uh, 50% of our food should be rainbow plants, 25% smarter carbs, 25% proteins. And then thinking particularly about the kind of oils and hydration and everything else that um, goes into that as well. That is the science of what to eat to have the best energy. Um, one thing that Colette says that I think is really helpful when you work from home, um, there was a time where she, I was sending her pictures of all the food that I was eating and I sent her this really awful I don't know what it was, beans on toast or like some, something that was like a bit suboptimal. It might have just been toast with Marmite. And I was like, this is all I've got in the house. And she sent me back this beautiful bowl of stuff with quinoa in it and all this stuff. And, um, I was, you know, I was kind of in defensive mode going, yeah, well, I've got nothing in the house and whatever. And Colette said, you eat well when you have good food in your fridge. And that's something I've really taken on over the last few years. So just always having a bag of salad in there, always having you know, wraps handy, you know, for me, it's falafel, um, you know, and, and also thinking about what we might have in terms of tinned food that can help. So one thing that is definitely still on the shelves a lot at the moment is tinned fish. And there's a lot of people who will uh, sort of poo-poo the idea of tinned food or, you know, tinned fish, but actually it's, it's equally as nutritious. So thinking about some of those things that we can just have in the cupboards, in the fridge, uh, that will just help us to make really quick but good choices. Uh, and it doesn't have to take long. So most of the lunches I, I make for myself take no more than three or four minutes to just throw things together. Um, but it's, it's easier to eat healthy when you have that, um, you know, sort of good starting point to begin with. Um, let's talk about communications. Um, so uh, in particular, some, something that many of you I'm sure will be uh, experiencing either for the first time or in much higher frequency than the normal uh, is virtual meetings. So we run a whole session called Supercharge Your Virtual Meetings. Um, and uh, we just wanted to give you kind of five real quick tips. Um, so first around uh, this is uh, kind of coming back to this idea of pining for the water cooler and, and trying to look at how you can replace some of that kind of social time. Add in five minutes at the beginning to let people get set up properly, have a bit, bit of a chat, uh, maybe have some coffee time. We've done it before where we're on Think Productive meetings. We've had, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour of just kind of coffee chat before we start. And that's scheduled in. So once you've got that scheduled in, it just allows people to connect in a more human way before you start. Stand up. I'm on a standing desk um, right now. Um, but this is really useful if most of your time in, in, a, in an office would be going to a meeting and then getting up and walking back to your desk, walking to the next meeting room and so on. And you're losing that by being at home all day. Um, spend a bit more of the, the time standing up. Uh, that phrase, sitting is the new smoking. Um, you know, you, it's actually not healthy for you to stand up all day, um, but it's really good to be flitting in between sitting and standing. Um, starting the day with check-in or opening round when you start a meeting. So, uh, you know, just asking people to share uh, perhaps like something that's going on around uh, your, you know, around your house or uh, sharing one thing that's, uh, you know, going well or your sort of personal experience 
uh, you know, sort of through what we're dealing with right now. But starting with something a bit human and allowing everybody to speak, because what you're losing by not having face-to-face, even when you have the camera turned on, which I think is a really good default, um, you're kind of losing a little bit of that kind of physicality, body language, and so on. So having some kind of way of um, just making sure that people connect before you get into the, uh, the content. The chat function can be really useful, particularly for things like, um, does everyone agree? And rather than everyone say, yes, and you, know, you kind of don't know when you're about to talk over someone often with, with video calls, uh, just using the chat for those kind of things. Um, and using the chat also for people to throw ideas. And suddenly you can have 50 ideas on the screen in much less time than it would take everyone to wait for their turn to speak. So sometimes, you know, virtual meetings can actually be even more optimal than, um, than standard ones. Um, and finally, one way that I think virtual meetings are definitely more optimal, optimal than being together is you can take the action points live on the screen and therefore, you have absolutely no um, you know, doubt over what different things mean. It's all there on the screen with real clarity. And I think that can be a really powerful and useful thing. Get clear. So let's talk about communications manifestos. What you see on the, on the left-hand side of the screen there is Think Productive's own communications manifesto. Um, this is just something that we set up to just say, we're going to use Slack for these things. We're going to use email for these things. We're going to use this uh, particular channel for this thing. And just this really helped to get a sense of what we're uh, using for different uh, parts of our work. And I think that's a really, just a really handy thing to develop. So if you don't have something clearly written down around that, um, I think that's a really handy thing. Um, and have something on your own to-do list where you just keep categories for particular people. So for example, if, with your line manager, if you've got 15 things a day that you're going to end up talking to them about, um, store those up on your to-do list. And then when they call you or if you're calling them, then you've got all those things ready to go through rather than it be, you know, a hundred different things that might get missed and a hundred different emails and so on. And then manage expectations. This is a couple of screen grabs from Think Productive's own Slack uh, channel from last week. So, you know, managing expectations about when you're going to be online versus offline uh, and what you're doing in that, uh, you know, being slightly offline time. Um, and then obviously managing the expectations around when you're available, when you're not, where the boundaries are with that. So I think it's, you know, really important in these kind of times to really, you know, to, to talk about boundaries and then particularly to talk about hard boundaries versus soft boundaries. So are there particular things that you want to know about even when you're in childcare mode versus don't tell me about anything else until I'm back in that work mode. And even these very difficult times, I think it's quite important to try and delineate between when am I in work mode versus when, when am I not. There was a case the other day where someone was trying to be in work mode and then their child had an accident uh, because they weren't supervising their kid. And so, you know, we really need to think about that uh, from a, a, you know, a kind of um, duty of care point of view, those of us with, with kids. And also duty of care to people in terms of managing their own lives and stress um, around this stuff, even if you don't have kids. So, you know, I'm a big believer that when, you, when you're offline, you should be offline. When you're not working, you shouldn't be working. Um, and so if you want to make exceptions to that, be really clear about what those uh, exceptions might be. Definitely. Okay, let's talk about dealing with uncertainty. Um, so this is why we struggle with change and uncertainty. It's something called our lizard brain. You might also know it as your chimp brain. It's basically a little part of our brain called the amygdala, which is the primitive part of our brain that's responsible for keeping us alive. Um, and it tends to do that by putting us into either fight or flight mode. It's responsible for that kind of fight or flight stress response. And our lizard brain basically sees all change as threat. So when things are changing so quickly at the moment, chances are your lizard brain will be hyperactive. 
um, you know, yes, you can freeze as well. There's, you know, that kind of response. But, you know, you're, Elizabeth will be seeing every single change. It's like, oh, my goodness, I've got to do something about that. That could be a threat. That could be a threat. That can be danger. And so, you know, one of the things we need to do is start to recognize when is that lizard brain at play and maybe just pausing for a bit. There's a really useful acronym around decision-making called HALT. And so that is basically don't make any decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So basically when your lizard brain is in full, full pelt, like just stop and um, you know, breathe, give yourself some space maybe sleep on it, maybe come back to it later, maybe get someone else to sense check that email before you send it, that, those kind of things will help to keep that lizard brain in check, but also noticing that lizard brain in each other as well. Um, it's a bit like the tired toddler. If you've got a toddler having a tantrum, you don't try and reason with them. Do you know what? Sometimes we get adult toddlers as well. So maybe noticing those times and just step away from that argument um, and maybe come back to that later. Um, so that leads us on to ninja agility. And actually, you, ninja agility is the fact that we can't plan for everything. So it's how do we respond well to change? How do we set ourselves up so we've got that flexibility to respond rather than feel like, oh my goodness, everything's changing and it's outside of my control. Part of this is a mindset shift. Part of this is about recognizing I can't control everything. And so maybe I need to start focusing on what I can control. Um, Part of it is also about recognizing that we can't plan for everything. So you know, maybe we need to accept that there is imperfection. Um, have some margin for when things you know, might go wrong. So when you're planning, you know, don't plan for every single minute of the day because you can't. Um, ha- you know, be prepared for the predictably, unexpect- uh, the predictably unpredictable. But also recognize that imperfection is going to happen. So some of you are recognizing this guy already. Um, I think his video went slightly viral. Um, but, you know, I think it's a really good example of how, you know what, sometimes, especially for those of us with kids at home, sometimes this is going to happen. And, you know, sometimes it's like, yes, do you know what, that's okay. It's okay that things aren't going to be perfect. But also sometimes making sure that you make a choice in that situation. I so, talk about in my book the idea of um, there's glory in imperfection. Yeah, uh, you know, and that old that old proverb, which is better in better an imperfect dome in Florence than a castle in the sky, and actually delivering on stuff and, mm. and getting into the habit of delivering stuff, delivering your work, um, even though it might not be perfect yet, is actually a really good skill and a good mindset to develop. We're taught at school to make everything perfect and rule under the lines and all that sort of thing, and actually sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, you know, delivering stuff when it's when it's good enough is actually mm. a really uh, useful mindset to Absolutely. have. To be. And I'd also say I did see the one. Did you see the one? There was one with a uh, uh, woman who was on a Zoom call and she took it into the toilet and didn't realise. So yeah, saying. yeah, definitely. So these things are going to happen. But I'd also say, because um, we have had some you know, questions come in about like, how do I do this when I'm working from home with kids? And yeah. imperfection is absolutely the key here. Don't beat yourself up. Don't try to get everything perfect. Um, and don't feel guilty. So if you need to say to either way, if you need to say to your kids, wait 20 minutes, I'll come back to you, depending on the age of your kids, obviously. Or, you know, I say to my teenage kids, go fix yourself some lunch. I'm not doing lunch today. There's stuff in the fridge. You sort yourself out. You know, I'm not going to feel guilty about that because I know they're able to do that. But equally, being able to say to your colleagues, do you know what? I know that we said we'd meet at this time, but actually this is what's going on right now. Can you guys have this call without me? 
you know, that is, don't feel guilty about that either. Speak up about what you need and work around each other. Yeah, one of my little catchphrases just when managing people uh, is people first, work second, always. Mm. And so the always is about saying no matter what's happening, you dealing with the stuff that's in your life um, actually comes before you having the, the time and space and attention for work. And that's a really important principle, I think. Um, let's talk really quickly about the hidden benefits of working from home. This is not all bad, people. Uh, there's some good stuff that comes from working from home. Uh, a decade or so of mainly sort of predominantly working from home, um, I can definitely attest to some of these things. So ninja unorthodoxy, things are really in flux and up in the air right now. And what that means is we get to test and trial and experiment and, and do things differently. So embrace the unorthodoxy. Try not to hide away from it. Uh, think about your commute. If you no longer have a commute, the thing about commutes is they're a criminal waste of our attention. Often what happens is people spend an hour of their most quality attention of the day just driving between one place and another place or sat on a train reading terrible newspapers that are for free or whatever. So you've got that time back. Use it wisely. Maybe, uh, you know, make out a particular specific plan for that commute time and replace it with something really worthwhile, whether it's learning the violin or whether it's really quality work that allows you to uh, actually free up some time later on in the day. Um, think about how you can experiment with your own habits. So maybe changing working hours, starting the day with something different. We talked earlier about, you know, when you start your day with email, you start your day with everybody else's list of priorities. Not uh, So just experimenting with what does a standard rhythm of a day look like and how, you can, how can you change it? Um, the doll picture on there is to say, get to know some of the quirks and weirdnesses about your colleagues. Because this is a really nice um, thing about the social aspect here is like, you're going to get to see inside everyone else's houses. Uh, what can you uh, see from that that uh, just helps you to get to know these people? Um, and there's also some um, scientific research that says your stress goes down if you stroke your pets. So if you've got cats and dogs at home, have them sit next to you and just looking, looking up adoringly at you while you're working will actually reduce your stress as well. Pet um, therapy, definitely. Pet therapy, right? Um, yeah. My other favorite one is, um, the, my favorite productivity acronym is uh, non-active uh, productivity, non-active productivity. So, um, so how can you experiment with naps? Eh? It's a good thing. Uh, let's talk about home, home time, Grace. Yeah, so this is home, home instead of, you know, it's a bit like when we go out, but out, out. Um, so, you know, the difference between working at home and actually home, home time. So what we're talking about here is having good boundaries, having some finish lines, um, you know, actually putting those things in place and probably deciding on that ahead of time. If you're waiting until like the late afternoon going, oh, when shall I stop working? That's a harder time to make that decision. So make that decision up front. When are you done for the day? What does your working day look like? What are those finish lines? And, and put those things in place. Because actually switching off is a really good thing for your productivity. Um, you know, your brain needs breaks. We need to be able to switch off. But also we need good recharge moments rather than just going on standby. One of the things I often say to people is when you stop working, when you have your downtime, do you, you know, actually do something that recharges you or do you just go on standby? And it's very easy to end up just going on standby. So thinking about, you know, how do I recharge? How do I look after myself? Making sure you, the basic things like sleep, you know, sleep hygiene, phone hygiene. Um, you know, back in the 80s, you had a lot of world leaders who'd brag about how little sleep they can get away with. But actually, all the research these days um, suggests that if we're sleep deprived, the long-term cognitive impairment is equivalent to being drunk. 
So don't do it. <laughs> don't sacrifice sleep in the name of productivity. Those of you who are very young children, I know it's not, you know, it's not ideal and you have no choice, but don't do it to yourself, right? Um, so here's the thing. Self-care, it's not a luxury. It's fuel for your productivity. What can you give yourself in order to be at your best? Because when you're at your best, you can do your best work. And you know, some of those things might not be, again, it might be imperfect. You might not be able to do all of those things right now, but maybe looking for what's the one or two small things that I can do for myself that helps me to recharge. What is it that I need? And maybe I can ask that, maybe I can give that to myself. Maybe I can ask that from my colleagues or from my family or from my household. Um, and I think I saw earlier, there was a question about like high, high value breaks and how hard that is when you've got a family around you. Depending on the age of your kids, it can be a really fun activity to just actually go around the family and go, what do you enjoy doing? What is play for you? What's something that's recharging for you? And then make sure that each person has an opportunity to have some of that. I had a really good lesson about uh, in this at the end of last week where I'd worked a stupid number of hours last week and I knew I was kind of running on empty and I was alone with my little boy. And one of my neighbors said, hey, do you want to just come round, leave him with me for 20 minutes and you go for a run? And honestly, I slept better that night than I had for the whole week because, you know, that run just recharged me and endorphins and energy and all that stuff. Um, you know, so it can be really easy to neglect uh, these really basic things uh, when we're in periods of high stress, lots of change, etc. Um, and I think the same is also true of productivity in general. So I have this little saying, productivity is about making space for what matters. And, you know, right now, don't feel too guilty about the idea of saying no to things that don't necessarily feel like they're the biggest priority it's fine to renegotiate the stuff that was on your to-do list uh you know two three weeks ago versus the stuff that really needs to count now and ultimately we get to this place of making much better decisions and doing much more impactful work when we a do less and b make the space to do that thinking of what needs to stay what needs to go you know, it's about using that quality thinking to help drive that sense of, of ruthlessness around what we're going to put our time and attention to. Um, and, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird little contradiction thing. But when you do less stuff, you make more impact. Mm. So make the space for the stuff that really matters and don't apologize for what else needs to shift to make that happen. Um, the final point I just want to make is that um, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, imperfection already and um, I think let's embrace the fact that during this period, we are human. We do have limitations. Uh, there's a lot of books that talk about productivity, almost in terms of you should be perfect and you should be a superhero. And I really firmly believe that when it comes to productivity, no one has special powers. Um, you might look like a superhero sometimes if you're doing this stuff consistently and really, uh, you know, driving really good productivity. Everyone else might mistake you for some kind of superhero, but uh, let's embrace the fact that we are all human. We have limitations um, and, you know, really embrace that and, and be uh, mindful of giving yourself that, that break over the next uh, few weeks. Um, so we're going to take some questions. Uh, Grace is just going to start looking at the mm -hmm. Q&A and um, read a couple of questions out for us. Um, just while we're doing that, just a reminder of our contact details. Uh, we're going to talk in a couple of minutes about uh, a couple of the other uh, things that we have available at Think Productive. Um, I'd love you to subscribe to my podcast. It's called Beyond Busy. I'm going to continue uh, with episodes over this period to keep you uh, entertained, hopefully. 
Um, so please do subscribe to Beyond Busy. Just had uh, Tim Campos on the podcast, who's in the ex uh, CIO of Facebook. So talking about Facebook and um, and also his new venture as well. Uh, my book is How to Be a Productivity Ninja. Grace's book is How to Be Really Productive. Those are both available. Yeah, they're on that big website, but they're also on Hive, which is a UK-based website mm-hmm. for um, ordering books, and they take their stock from local bookstores. So go use mm-hmm. Hive. Uh, yeah. Really important at times like this. And Think Productive is our company, so you can go to thinkproductive.com and give you uh, more information on that in a sec. Grace, what are we Brilliant. saying on the questions? I, we are, I haven't been reading the chat, by the way, so if anyone's been... Um, directing particular things at me i haven't seen it so put it, put it in the <laughs> yeah put, pop it into the q a if there's something on the chat that you want answering pop it onto the q a there are a couple of things where people just wanted kind of reiterations so halt was hungry angry lonely and tired um yeah and that's one i got i picked that one up from um people who are sort of managing uh markets and financial data and that kind of thing um and i think you know particularly in terms of how you make decisions during crisis times. I think it's really useful. Mm, definitely. Um, comms manifesto, I think we're going to share that in the work from home link, right? So, Yes, I don't think it's on there right now, but we not? will put it on there. Um, okay. Because this is a thing that we, I mean, this isn't something we developed last week. This is a thing we've been using and living by for, for three, four years yeah. probably. And it sort of grew out of our email etiquette workshop, which is all about, you know, how to think about etiquette of email and culture of email as a team and Mm -hmm. then we thought well actually hang on this isn't just about email it's about comms more generally and whatsapp and slack and everything else so um Mm -hmm. yeah really useful thing and even if you don't i mean i think it's good to you don't have to have a nice graphically designed um page but even if you just have five bullet points that you send out on an email or put into a word document or something and that will just give people a, a good sense of clarity around it and you can just do that at the start of a team meeting um you know just 10, 15 minutes just to kind of get clear. You'd be amazed actually when you do that, the kind of bugbears that people have or the things that people bring up. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely share an example of that. Um, yeah. And, and that we'll let you know the link um, for, for where all those resources can be later. Um, yeah. So question here, how do you find a suitable space to work if you're limited for spaces in your home or have others working from home under the same roof now? Yeah. Yeah, really, really good question. I mean, um, certainly I mean, we're really lucky that we've got everyone in a separate space here. But if you're in a flat share and things like that, it's going to be tricky, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what I'd say on that is even if all you have is a kitchen surface or, you know, even if it's just somewhere in your living room, you know, have one one chair in your living room as where you're going to work from. And then the mm-hmm. other the part of the sofa is where you sit and chill. So back to that brain signifier thing. This is real stuff, right? So uh, you know, actually just delineating it in your head between, okay, now I'm in relaxation mode, now I'm in work mode. Um, I think that really helps. And also trying to minimize the kind of setup time of that. So, uh, you know, having stuff on a board, you know, investing in a big bit of wood or something that will just allow you to just pick stuff up, and move it off the kitchen table, whatever those things might be. Uh, I'm in my, um, in my shed at the bottom of my garden, as I very lovingly, affectionately refer to it as um, here. But yeah, if you're, you know, if you're doing this from the corner of a, a room, which I've certainly um, done myself in the past, having a way to just, you know, just investing 10 minutes in just thinking about the ways to just quickly pick stuff up and, and put it down and all that sort of thing. I think that yeah. really helps. And also just negotiating. So you might be negotiating space with people. You also might be negotiating sound. 
So one of the things I had to say, my husband had the gardeners over trimming the hedges today. And we were like, okay, you need to be really quiet between half one and half two because I'm doing this. Um, But then also imperfection as well. So just before we came online, a huge bumblebee came in here. So I had to disappear just now to open the door for it. And that's that's the sort of stuff that's going to happen as well. There's quite a few couple of questions before we finish up yeah absolutely so there's quite a few questions here about kids so yeah currently my children are home from school finding it difficult to actually do my work and sit down explaining my seven-year-old's work to her um quite a few similar sort of things around yeah and and i'm in that boat too and and i was asked this the other day and my take on this is um back to that experimentation and and unorthodoxy thing so I have really good um, energy levels and it's very quiet early in the morning before my son gets up and I have less good energy, but it's also quiet and able for me and I'm able to work after he goes to bed in the evening. So moving some of those, uh, you know, hours of work into the times where the house is a bit more quiet and the kids are in bed or, or whatever, I think, I think that can really help. Um, that's no substitute for when you've got to be online, obviously, uh, in the middle of the day, uh, and they're around. So I, I'm aware that there are, you know, there's huge challenges that a lot of people have around yeah. that stuff right now. When uh, my kids were and again, little, just I'm... trying to not be perfect with that stuff, like um, and trying to manage those those boundaries, the bosses. Mm. I used to have um, a with kids and without kids list. Um, so a yeah, bit like a you're a zombie and you're proactive. Yeah. So when they're around, here's what I can do. When then having a nap or they're like happy in front of the telly, here's what I can get on with. So that could be another thing with your second brain to help you with that. Yeah. And certainly most of the things that are on my mindless list, I could do when my son is around um, and without sort of, you know, jeopardizing his safety, obviously. So there's, you know, there's that kind of base level, you know, first it's the duty of care, isn't it? um to your kids and then it and then it's like what can i what can i usefully do during that time and i think maybe again not beating ourselves up about doing the most important work when clearly we're going to be half distracted and kind of half in and half out in terms of our mm-hmm. attention um but yeah again that so prioritizing the really quality attention i think is the most important thing absolutely what tools do you find best to maintain the social across the desk chats that you don't get in a series of formal video conferences do you know what you could actually just keep zoom open um, yeah, I, I do that actually um yeah. when i've been uh, i've just been writing a book with one of our other ninjas Haley. Uh, we're writing a book all about meetings uh face-to-face meetings uh it's due to come out in september i, d- I think we'll probably be moving the date of that because i don't think many people are <laughs> that bothered about hearing about face-to-face meetings then but yeah we will work for two to three hours uh, and just do a kind of sprint of writing, but just leave Zoom open. So like, okay, Graham's typing away, he's doing his own thing. We're not collaborating. But then every now and again, it's like, Haley, have we done anything about this? Or just something might pop up. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I found that a really useful um, way to work. The other one is WhatsApp. I love WhatsApp voice in particular. And <laughs> that thing of, I'm not sure what to do about this, but what do you think? And being able to hear that int- intonation in someone's voice is much more powerful in terms of communication, I think, than just um, an email or a text mm-hmm. message on WhatsApp or whatever. So the yeah. voice message thing on WhatsApp, I think, is um, it's a really nice thing. Um, me and Elena, who's Think Productive's managing director, we communicate almost exclusively through WhatsApp voice. It's, it's 95% of our entire communication is WhatsApp <laughs> voice messages. And generally under about a minute long, mm. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes much longer. And I think yeah, your, your meetings book does have stuff about online meetings as well, right? Uh, it does, yeah. But I think, you know, I think yeah. ch- chances are a lot of stuff will get moved back with it. 
Hmm. The um the other thing to mention is the books as well. So um, any other books you recommend to read? Well, clearly, um, How to Be a Productivity Ninja will talk you through how to get your second brain set up, all of those things. Um, my book is a little bit different. So it's, people have described it as the journey, like or the companion to like for the journey. Um, so if you you know the stuff around lizard brain, the stuff around kind of so you're switching mindset. Um, there's a load of stuff in there that's that's useful for that, as well as things like ditching guilt, um, jumping off the guilt train, saying no. Some really good examples on how to say no and set boundaries on there, as well as all the other productivity ninja books as well, right? Yeah, right. So work fuel I mentioned there, which is the book about how to eat to have the best energy mm-hmm. um, for productivity. Uh, a couple of the other ones that I like. So we mentioned really briefly Cal Newport there and his monk mode idea. That's from a book called Deep Work, which is um, one of my favorite productivity books. The other mm-hmm. one I really love is Seth Godin's book, Lynchpin, mm-hmm. um, which is really mm-hmm. nice. So I really yeah. like um, Adam Grant's originals. Um, yes. Really good for thinking and orthodoxy and thinking creatively, especially in times like this. Uh, Brenny Brown's always my go-to when it comes to dealing with that kind of lizard brain side of things and you know those kind of feelings of guilt or shame and vulnerability so yeah she's got some really good stuff as particularly around how do we deal with like fear and uncertainty but she's better on ted than in books no actually she reads her own books as well so ted yeah, yeah ted talks yes her books are really good and really easy to digest um plus she also reads them so if you want to listen to it on audio um audible um audiobook then yeah 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 definitely I never read my own books on Audible. <laughs> it's, uh, I was advised against it. Um, how do you keep up with the second brain discipline when you have an urgent deadline which appears more important than updating brain number two? Well, I think the thing is, um, so a couple of things like that. One is, yes, if there's something like massively urgent, my second brain will go a little bit out of kilter. So I'll, I'll neglect it for two or three days for sure. And I think that's okay. Um, the trick is not to let it get beyond the two to three days. So as soon as you can, jumping back in and doing that bit more maintenance around second brain, because ultimately it's about trust. Like when you trust your second brain that it holds everything, then you can drop everything and go and do the urgent thing because you, you know what you're dropping and you know it's all contained in that second brain. Whereas if it gets three weeks, four weeks down the track and you haven't been maintaining it, it's just a longer job to put it back together. So uh Definitely don't beat yourself up if there's a couple of days where you're not, you know, feeling fully on top of second brain. I think that's mm. really normal. Yeah. That's a good one here. Anything to add to that, Chris? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's a tool. It's a tool that serves yeah. you, not something that, you know, drives you in terms of you yeah, know, what's that kind of relationship you have with it. There's definitely people send me emails saying, oh, I'm doing this to 98% and I'm doing this to 98%, but I don't feel good about it. And it's like, it's, I think sometimes people get too, there's a, there's a certain type of person who gets too anxious about, um, yeah, about doing productivity perfectly and productivity being the end goal. And I think neither of those things are mm. uh, useful. Yeah. There's an interesting question here. How can you maintain motivation whilst work events seem to, uh, world events seem to make work feel a bit pointless if you're not working in frontline services? I've got some thoughts about this. What do you think, Ray? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Matthew, meant, Matthew, one of our colleagues mentioned this last week and I wholeheartedly agree with him. He said the people he knows that are, dealing with this the best and are the happiest are the people who are on social media the least and looking at (laughs) news the least i don't really look at news beyond like a few minutes a day i'll have a look at the bbc site and 
what you'll find is everybody else sends you the stuff you need to hear about anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to sit down every day and waste half an hour of my time watching government news conferences and stuff. Likewise, Facebook and you know Twitter, they can be spaces that are full of kindness and nice acts and stuff, but they're also, I think, quite stressful spaces um, that I don't want to spend a lot of time in. So I think that that's a good, you'd be surprised if you just say no to a lot of that stuff <laughs> for me, uh, incre- increases motivation. And I think, you know, ultimately, um, we're in a, we're in a time period right now where there's a lot of stuff that's up for grabs. A lot of stuff's going to change. A lot of stuff's under threat. Um, and I think looking at where, where you sit within that challenge, either for you or your company or for your community, um, I think there's, um, there's a whole, he- whole heap of useful stuff that does not involve being, working in a hospital or um, my neighbor works on the yeah. um, my neighbor is a volunteer on the um, lifeboats down here in Brighton but it's like there's stuff that doesn't involve that stuff but is really vital uh, mm-hmm. to be done right now so um, I think there's mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a lot of reasons to do good work and I think so my view on this um, I've thought about it a lot I've seen a lot of um, particularly small business owners kind of going well I, I need to keep alive and afloat but at the same time the services I offer are maybe around like communication yeah. or yeah. around you know um, creativity and things like that and and so my view is look if you there are going to be people who are going to be worried about how am I going to pay the mortgage how am I going to feed my family and if that's you you don't when you're in that space, you don't have bandwidth to think about anything else. So if that's you, don't, you know, just give yourself a break. Don't feel like you have to reinvent your business. You yeah. have to get you know, all that kind of stuff right now. Just do what you need to do. Make choices that are kind to you and you know, and to people around you. But if you're in a position where you've got a bit more cognitive bandwidth, um, but maybe if you've got some buffer in your business or you've got some time on your hands, like you've got that bandwidth, then use that to, you know, to think creatively. Uh, yeah, how can I use my services to serve people, to help people? And don't, you know, now is not the time to hide that light under a bushel. Now is not the time to go, oh, but what will people think about me if I start putting that out there? It's like, if you've got stuff that will help, put it out there um, and do it in the service of those who don't have the bandwidth to do that. And also, I wonder if there was something that, uh, let's say, three, four months ago before all this happened, you were regularly sat at your desk thinking, oh, if only I had a month where <laughs> the world, it's, where the world stopped. And I could really focus on developing that thing, you know, mm-hmm. the website for the collage thing that you do or, um, you know, a hobby that you want to learn or a skill that you want to learn or something that you want to put out there uh, as a voluntary thing or a side hustle to your work, whatever, whatever the thing is. It kind of feels to me like there's, um, there's going to be a lot of people with very little time uh, in the next two, three months. And there's probably also going to be some people who are finding a lot more time on their hands mm-hmm. than they're used to. And um, if that's you, um it's a gift right absolutely um, there's yeah. there's plenty of downside but maybe there's some flicker of upsides through that as well oh hi Haley. Haley's gone off I'm to bounce on the trampoline i'm just looking through i was I oh, oh trampoline scrolling through the trap let, let me just let me just share a tip so if you're feeling really tired and you haven't moved if you have a trampoline go and use it you are allowed to as an adult. Uh, yeah. That was my secret tip. Whenever I needed to work when I was tired, when the kids were little, I would go and bounce on the trampoline. It's a great way of working. Do you remember that? Up. Because Haley's got a trampoline in her house. Yeah, that's yeah. it. She's off to bounce on the trampoline with when, Tom. Um, <laughs> when I went around to do a writing day at Haley's house, I had, a, I had a great play on the trampoline. It was great. Oh, I loved it. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> right, one more question. Uh, um, last but, but definitely not least. The best question of the day. 
<laughs> oh, that's pressure. Wrong. You look through it. <laughs> oh, what if you don't even have a chair or table having to work on bed? Any tips? Mm. Um, turn your well, camera off. <laughs> yeah, do you know, the thing is um, the ergonomics of that are really not good. Um, yeah. So I, in all seriousness, doing that for a long um, period of time I think is really quite dangerous in terms of uh, things like, you know, bad backs and mm. bad posture and RSI and all this kind of thing. So I would, if that's your, um, if that's like really what you see as the only default that you have right now, I would ask a different question, which is what do I need? What can I go out and, and get off Gumtree or from a neighbor or borrow or, you know, anything, but um, mm. you know, and actually stand up at the kitchen counter if, the alternative is bed yeah um, yeah but ergonomics are really important I mm. think. and also you know you know, maybe look at if you, you're limited on space maybe look at typing less so like when Graham was talking about voice messages you can record you know voice messages yeah, and, and email them and things like that um you know so maybe look at where you can speak more and type less um so you're not doing this all the time yeah for sure yeah. So listen, guys, um, we've answered some of your questions, but I'm aware we haven't answered all of them. So do get in touch if there's a particular thing you'd like us to answer. So our contact details were at the beginning. But, you know, please do get in touch with us and we'll answer as many as we can. Um, we are running these sessions as well um, in-house. So a lot of clients, a lot of companies have said, look, can you come and do something for us? So if your organization um, would like to hold this for your people, um, get in touch with us. The link at the bottom will lead you to all the resources for the workshop, but also um, the sessions that we do. So we're doing a 90-minute session in-house where we can do some action planning and make it a little bit more bespoke for like the specific policies or tech or whatever it is that's going on within your work context. We do do a session called Supercharge Your Virtual Meetings as well. So if you need some help with that, we can definitely help. And also leading remote teams. So actually, do you want to talk a little bit about that, Graham? Yeah, so leading, leading remote teams, obviously a huge issue at the moment. So picking up on some of those things we talked about there around communications manifestos and you know how to have conversations with other people in the team uh, around when are they off versus when are they on mm -hmm. um, and many other things as well. So um, yeah, that, that's something that we're just launching with uh, some of our clients in response to uh, what's happening as well. And not forgetting all the regular stuff that we do as well. So how to be a productivity ninja and getting your email inbox to zero. We're, uh, you know, we're running all of those as live virtual sessions as well. So our, our normal stuff um, applies and it's, you know, we're very much trying to make it as much as possible uh, business and as usual. Uh, through this period yeah so um just just remains just to say thank you to uh everybody for being here on this uh call for this hour um yeah just a reiteration of those three workshops that we think can really help uh for your teams and organizations right now and you'll find loads more detail um and some really nice resources uh that we've put on the web page dedicated to working from home so thinkproductive.com forward slash wfh and uh drops a line and let us know what you think as well brilliant thanks so much guys so i hope you enjoyed that and thanks uh, to a few people as part of this episode and just making this whole thinkproductive.com forward slash wfh project happen so want to firstly just thank grace for um, really being with me every step of the way we 
we wrote two new workshops in two weeks. And just to put that in perspective, usually they take about three or four months. So we were absolutely breakneck uh, speeding and developing through this stuff. And uh, me and Grace spent many hours in the week before that, putting that together, uh, just on the phone, just frantically working out where things go and how things fit together and all that stuff. And um, yeah, always just love working with Grace. So thank you, Grace. Um, thanks also to Elena, our superstar MD at Think Productive for steering the ship just generally over the last few weeks and months. It's been, um, as everyone knows, it's been a pretty interesting time. Um, but also for uh, touching up the slides and making sure that we've got, um, you know, all the sort of correct details on there. I'm a bit sloppy in the way that I do it. And Elena's a bit more detail focused. So uh, always have to sort of have uh, the, fir the first meal they go through is mine to create them. And then the second meal they go through is Elena's to kind of uh, perfect them and make them good. Um, so thanks, Elena, for that. Thanks also to Jess for putting the, the webpage together, thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. And uh, really the whole team around the world, you know, there's been um, just such a lot of interesting collaboration happening, new stuff happening. And, um, you know, it's been good to see. It's it's a really difficult time for a company like ours who, you know, predominantly uh, work face-to-face. -face. I still think working face-to-face -face is better, you know, as a learning experience, as, a, as an immersive experience, as a way of leaving the room and people have got their inboxes to zero or they've got a plan around meetings or they've got a plan around their, their own productivity. It's just better to do those things face-to-face -face, in my view. Um, having done both but we have adapted we a lot of our stuff has gone online and um you know a few of our clients have p postponed stuff until the autumn but quite a few of our clients have actually been doing stuff on zoom and uh, moving things in that way as well which is very helpful in terms of the cash flow and uh keeping our ninjas busy and all of that so uh so yeah just thank you to all of those people obviously this episode sponsored by think productive as per usual uh thanks also to mark Stedman my producer on the show and emily my assistant for getting the word out around this and various other things the other thing i just want to mention is my new mailing list um so if you go to graham you'll see at the bottom of each page a uh, little sign up form where you can sign up for my mailing list every sunday just sending out something positive for the week ahead so sign up there it's growing. We had like 17 people when the first one went out a couple of weeks ago and it's now uh, rocketing up. So so really good to see. And I'm uh, really working on trying to get around to everybody that I know and just sending them emails saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing this mailing list. Do you want to sign up? But it's just such a laborious process. It's a bit like, yeah, I mean, maybe it's one of those things that you should do at the start of your career <laughs> rather than like 10 or 11 years in. But hey, I'm, you know, better late than never, eh? Um, so yeah, sign up to the mailing list. I'd love you to sign up to that at graymalcott.com. And the other thing I just wanted to mention before I finish is last week's episode. So I had some really good uh, reactions to the episode with Kat's Kylie and what she's been doing uh, around getting PPE onto the front line. So if you, if you go to frontline.live, you'll get the gist of it and find out more. And obviously you can listen to the episode. I mean, it was a fascinating episode anyway but in terms of what she's doing right now uh just super important so if you know of anyone on the front line um, in the nhs uh working without the protective equipment that they need uh, then all they need to do is go onto twitter and put the hashtag frontline map 
and then hashtag their postcode, so the postcode of where they work, and then the hashtag of what they need. So we need masks, we need this, we need that, whatever. And just put those three hashtags in a tweet. Um, and what that will do is we'll just map it and companies are then picking that up. A lot of companies are just delivering stuff for free just to bypass a lot of the NHS procurement rules and all that, just to get the right equipment to the right place as quickly as possible. So amazing work being done uh, by Katz there and her team, uh, all volunteer-led. Frontline.live is the website where you can find out a bit more. And yeah, I just can't emphasize enough, like pass that message on to anybody that you know working in the NHS, working on the front line. And uh, yeah, let's just solve this stupid, ridiculous PPE problem. It's just, it feels ridiculous. It feels ridiculous to me, by the way, that we've got people who are 100 years old, like walking around and fundraising for the NHS as well. Like when all this is over, can we have a conversation, please, about how the NHS should not be a charity? We pay tax and the tax should fund the NHS and that should not be cut as it has been in real terms for the last however many years it's just it makes me so mad that um it's almost become acceptable and normal because we're in this situation that we need to fundraise for the nhs i just think that is just a ludicrous idea anyway getting on my hobby horse i'll jump off and uh say say good night <laughs> goodbye and uh uh, see you in a week or so's time. So, um, as always with this episode, you can find a lot of further details at getbeyondbusy.com. You can find out what I'm doing at graymalcott.com. And you can find out more about how Think Productive can help you with working from home at thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. We'll be back either in a week or two. You know the drill by now. I never have it quite worked out, uh, but certainly within the next two weeks with another episode. So until then, take care. Bye for now.